Welcome to the One God Report podcast. This episode is called, Jesus Did Not Create Planet Earth. A commentary on the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. The prologue of the Gospel of John is best understood as introducing the man, Jesus, the Messiah from Nazareth, and summarizing his ministry. As we saw in our previous podcast, concerning John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, the author told us that the prophet John the baptizer was sent by God, but was not the light. The baptizer came to bear witness to the light that was coming into the world. Now let's continue with John chapter 1, verse 9. This was the true light which enlightens everyone coming into the world. In John 1, the light is a metaphor or symbol for the man Jesus Christ. It would be silly for the author to be comparing John the baptizer with a pre-incarnate divine figure or abstract concept. Rather, this gospel contrasts and clarifies the relationship between John the baptizer and the man Jesus Christ. The baptizer was not the light. The man Jesus of Nazareth was the light. As the last words of testimony of the baptizer in this gospel declare, that one must increase, but I must decrease. John 3.30 In a certain way, Jesus is the light, but in another way, the good news and promise in him is the light. Light is used as a metaphor to refer both to who Jesus is and to what he brings. To put it another way, in the Bible there is not a total one-to-one correspondence between the word light and Jesus. Sometimes the word light is used to describe Jesus. Sometimes the word light describes something or someone else. This is the nature of a metaphor or a figure of speech. The Bible says God is light. 1 John 1, 5. The nation of Israel is light, Isaiah 42, 6 and Romans 2, 19. God's word is light, Psalm 119, 105. Jesus is light, John 8, 12. The message of salvation in Messiah is light, Luke chapter 2, verses 30 to 32. The apostle Paul was light, Acts 13, 47. And the followers of Jesus are light, Matthew 5.14 and Philippians 2.14-15. Light, used as a metaphor, can be applied to multiple subjects, and the writer using light as a metaphor is free to apply the word to one or more of the subjects. It's the same with the word word. In the Gospel of John, Word is a metaphor describing who Jesus is and what he brings. There is much metaphorical language in the Gospel of John, both from the mouth of Jesus and from the author himself. We must recognize metaphors in language. If we don't recognize metaphors in language, we would conclude that there are real black sheep in most people's houses. If we don't recognize the metaphors in the Gospel of John, and interpret them properly, we will come to silly conclusions. For example, 
you have to enter your mother's womb again, or you have to take a bite of Jesus' leg to have everlasting kingdom life. And if we don't recognize metaphors used in the Gospel of John, we will end up being like the opponents of Jesus, who had no idea what Jesus was talking about. Here's John 10, 6. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now back to John 1, 9. The man Jesus Christ was the true light which was coming into the world, to whom John the baptizer testified. This was the true light, quote, which enlightens everyone. So here we have, like in 1.5, another present tense verb describing illumination, enlightens. The prologue of John's gospel is almost entirely narrated in past tense. But the ministry and life of Jesus, which happened in real time and place in the past, is still enlightening people showing people the way, and giving people understanding and hope. The life of Jesus enlightens. It doesn't confuse, contradict, or shroud in mystery. The author is most likely making an intentional parallel between Jesus and the Word of God as given to Israel. To Israelites, the Word of God is light, which gives light and illumination. The Word of God shows man what is true and right and teaches man who God is and how to approach him. In the Gentile world, we refer to the law of Moses, but to the Israelite, the Word of God in the books of Moses is Torah, teaching. The emphasis in the Hebrew mind is not on law and regulation, but on guidance and direction. The Torah reveals who God is and how to approach him. In parallel fashion, the Messiah Jesus of Nazareth is light that reveals and illuminates for mankind who God is and how to approach him. There may also be a double illusion here, since because Israel had the light of the word of God, the people of Israel themselves were called to be light to the Gentiles, light to the world. See Isaiah 42.6 and Romans 2.19. Jesus of Nazareth, as the ideal Israel, is the ideal light of the world. The next section we'll call Parallels in the Gospel, which are evidence that the prologue is not a commentary on Genesis creation, but rather introduces and summarizes the person and ministry of the man, Jesus Christ. As we saw in our previous discussion on John chapter 1, 3 through 8, the direct connection between the statements in the prologue to the body of the Gospel of John are evidence that the prologue is introducing the person, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. The man, Jesus, and his ministry are described with the exact same terminology in the body of the gospel, as we see here in the prologue. So let's note the parallel between John 1, 9, the prologue, and then the same language and ideas in the gospel of John. John 1, 9 says, The true light that enlightens every man 
was coming into the world. Then we read in the Gospel, chapter 3, verse 19, And this is the judgment, the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. In John 12, 46, Jesus said, I have come as light into the world, that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. John 9, 5, Jesus said, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So all these parallels between the prologue and the life of the man Jesus, as described in the body of the gospel, are evidence that John 1 is not describing Genesis chapter 1, but is introducing the new beginning in the man Jesus Christ. Now let's look at the phrase, coming into the world, which appears in John 1.9. We have here the first appearance in the prologue of the word world, which appears three more times in the next verse. The Greek word translated in all of these cases as world is cosmos. Cosmos does not mean planet Earth in the Bible. I'll use the word cosmos sometimes in this podcast to help us keep in mind that John's gospel is not talking about planet Earth when he uses this word. The basic meaning of cosmos is order, arrangement, adornment, or ornament. In the Greek version of the Old Testament, cosmos is often used to translate words like jewelry, ornaments, and decoration. The verbal idea means to put in order or arrange with the intention of making beautiful or attractive, to adorn or to decorate. The English word cosmetic is derived from this word. Cosmos often denotes, as related to human beings, the order of human society and culture. The English word cosmopolitan relates to human society and the variety within human culture. Somewhat ironically, the word cosmos in modern English does not mean the earth or world at all, but rather the heavens, outer space, or the universe. This is probably because from man's perspective, the starry heavens show the orderly design and decoration of the universe. The word cosmos is never used in the Greek Old Testament to mean planet earth. The word is definitely not the word used in the Greek version of the creation of the earth described in Genesis 1. The word cosmos occurs 78 times in the Gospel of John and 24 more times in the epistles of John. That's a lot of times. Cosmos is an important word to John. But likewise, in John, cosmos translated as the world does not mean planet Earth. To John, cosmos means what the world is arranged and decorated with, the world's greatest ornamentation, humanity, or human society, or a section of human society. The apex of God's creation in Genesis 1 is human beings. Imagine how dull the universe would be without humanity. It is human society or a section of human society that is the cosmos of the Gospel of John, not 
physical planet Earth. This can't be overemphasized. Cosmos, even though translated into English as world, does not mean planet Earth. But the word cosmos, world, is confusing to most English readers because we just can't seem to get the idea of planet Earth out of our heads when we see or read the word world. We read John 1.10 and think the creation of planet Earth is under discussion. But planet Earth is nowhere in John chapter 1, verse 10. Actually, I think we know better, and we can understand that planet Earth is not under discussion in John 1, 9, and 10. We know that when this gospel says that God so loved the world that he sent his unique son, that this does not mean that God so loved the globe, the physical planet Earth. Rather, we know the world that God so loved means people, as the verse continues, so that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. The physical globe, planet Earth, cannot believe in Jesus the Messiah, but people can. We use the word world in idiomatic ways, which do not refer to the physical globe. We speak of the world of sports, the Christian world, the Jewish world, etc., meaning the society and people involved in those realms. To the author of the Gospel of John, the word world, cosmos, means human beings, humankind, human society, which really is the ultimate ornament of God's creation. And, as we will see, the word cosmos in John's Gospel can have other more specific nuances, too, sometimes meaning Jewish society, the Jewish world, the Jewish people, or God's covenant people. Here are a few examples in the Gospel of John to illustrate that the word cosmos, world, does not mean planet Earth. Take the next verse, John 1.10. The world knew him not. It's not the physical globe that didn't recognize the Messiah, but people. And in this case, most likely a segment of the Jewish people, since Jesus was a Jew who lived only among Jews. John 12.19 The Pharisees therefore said to one another, You see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. It's not the physical planet Earth that followed Jesus, but many people, Jewish people. John 15.18 If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. It's not the physical planet Earth that hated Jesus and his followers, but a segment of human society, a segment of people. John 16, 20, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. It's not the physical planet that rejoiced over the death of Jesus, but certain people. Often the world The cosmos is spoken of in the Gospel of John as the society or those people who are hostile to God, lost in ignorance, sin, and darkness. And since Jesus is a Jew, it is the Jewish world, 
and as we will suggest later, specifically the Judean world centered in Jerusalem that was against Jesus. But the Jewish world represents all of humanity. Jesus did not come into the Gentile world. If he had, the Gentile world would have had absolutely no clue about who he was or what he was talking about. The Jewish world was the only world expecting a Messiah from the line of David. The Jewish world was mankind's only chance for recognizing the Messiah. The Gentile world was in total darkness. But the Gospel of John is insistent that God does not intend to leave the world, the Jewish world specifically, nor humanity in general, in this dark, antagonistic condition. God loved the world, John 3.16. God acted in the world through his Messiah, 3.16 and John 17.3, and spoke to the world through his Messiah, John 8.26. Again, it is not to the physical planet Earth that God, through Jesus, was speaking, but to human beings. And the world, the cosmos, people, can be saved through God's unique Son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. John 3.17 says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So, there can also be a saved world, that is, a saved people, a saved community. In any case, we must keep in mind as we continue our study in John's prologue, that the Greek word cosmos, the English word translated world, does not mean the physical planet Earth. Cosmos, world, in this gospel means human beings, human society, and sometimes specifically the Jewish people who can hear, know, reject, follow, and believe. Now let's look at the phrase, coming into the world. The true light, which enlightens every man, was coming into the world. So if world does not mean planet Earth, what does coming into the world mean? John 1.9 describes the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. To come into the cosmos does not mean one comes from some celestial place in heaven to the physical globe we call planet Earth. Rather, to come into the world is a Hebraic idiom that means to show up on the scene, to come into history, to become a part of human society, and sometimes specifically to be a part of the Jewish world. The expression, all who come into the world, was common among Jews to denote everyone because everyone was born and showed up on the scene of human history. In fact, John 1.9 is a bit ambiguous grammatically because the subject of coming into the world could be either the true light, that is the true light coming into the world, or the subject could be everyone, as in the true light enlightens everyone coming into the world. The true light can enlighten everyone who is born, every human being who comes into the world. In the Hebrew mind, everyone 
comes into the world. Every human being comes into the world. To come into the world simply means to exist and be alive at a certain time and place. However, in John 1.9, it's best to understand the subject of coming into the world as the true light, since later in the body of the gospel, in both John 3.19 and in John 12.46, Jesus is the light which has come into the world. In John 12.46, Jesus says, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Let's note a few other biblical references where to come or to come into the world does not mean to come from some non-earthly location, but simply means to be born and live in human society, to be alive at a certain time and place. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verse 33, Jesus said of John the baptizer, quote, John the baptizer has come, eating no bread and drinking no wine. This doesn't mean that John the baptizer came from some place other than planet Earth. It means he was alive at that time and place. In John 16, 21, Jesus compared the short-lived sorrow of the disciples to a woman who, after giving birth, quote, no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being was born into the world. After feeding the 5,000, John 6.14 records, When the people saw the sign that he did, they said, This is indeed the prophet who comes into the world. We need to get biblical metaphors and idioms correct if we want to correctly understand the Bible. We must read the Gospel of John with Hebrew perspectives, idioms, and figures of speech in mind, not with Greek philosophical or modern Western ideas. God had promised through Moses, as recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, to send another prophet like Moses. The Jewish people expected a prophet like Moses to, quote, come into the world. They were not expecting God to send a pre-incarnate being from some non-earthly location. To come into the world, in the case of the expected prophet like Moses, also carries with it the idea of being part of the plan, purpose, and commission of God. In God's purpose and timing, the prophet like Moses would, quote, come into the world. Likewise, because of God's promise and purpose, the Jewish people expected the Messiah to come into the world. Some Judeans said at the Festival of Tabernacles, as recorded in John 7.31, When Messiah comes, will he do more signs than this one has done? Martha, the sister of Lazarus, said to Jesus, as recorded in John 11.27, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Martha was not thinking that the Messiah literally pre-existed and then came to our physical globe from some other celestial location. Rather, she knew that the promised Messiah would eventually, in God's timing, come into the cosmos. By the way, 
believers in Jesus are sent into the world. See Mark 16, 15. We don't come from outer space to the physical globe, planet Earth. We must remember that the cosmos, although translated as world in John 1, 9 and 10, does not mean planet Earth. Rather, cosmos means human society or a segment of human society. To go or come into the cosmos, the world, does not mean you come from some other heavenly or planetary realm into our physical earth. It means to be alive at a certain time and place, to be a part of human society, and specifically for God's prophets and Messiah at a time and place determined by God. I think we'll stop this episode here, and we'll pick up on John 1.10 in the next episode in just a couple of days where we will answer our original question, does John 1.10 say that Jesus created the earth? So just to review so far, we must understand the figures of speech, idioms, and metaphors in the Gospel of John if we are to understand the Gospel correctly. It was those in opposition to Jesus that especially misunderstood his figures of speech. John 10.6 says, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Next, the Greek word cosmos, although translated as world in John 1, 9 and 10, does not mean planet Earth. Rather, cosmos means human society or a segment of human society, specifically Jewish society. To go or come into the cosmos, into the world, does not mean a person came from some heavenly or planetary realm into planet Earth. To come into the world means to be a part of human society, to exist and be alive at a certain time and place. Everyone comes into the world. As fulfillment of God's promise, the prophet of Deuteronomy 18.15 comes into the world, and the Messiah comes into the world. The man, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, is the light who came into the world. This is made clear by the author, both in the prologue, by saying the baptizer was not the light, and in the body of the gospel. Jesus says, I have come as light into the world. And John chapter 3 says that God sent the Son as light into the world. 